Top Field Recording Podcast, episode 168, with our special guest tonight, Drew Crawley. Tired to fight. 
to turn to fight. Guys. What's up, man? Before you put that guitar down and before we even start this thing, you got to sh- show the uh, string setup yeah. on that sucker. Oh, yeah. for, all right, so, for, for the layman, uh, most time it's steel string, nickels uh, string. What do you got going on on that thing? Yeah, absolutely. So my top three are nickels, all right. and my bottom three are nylons. It's just mm. a little something that I'm trying out uh, within the last couple months recently. Um, I am the worst guitar player in my band by far. It's <laughs> a good thing. It's a great thing. Uh, to try to differentiate my sound. It warms it up a little bit, get a little bit of the softer stuff. I'm not a real melodic player when it comes to uh, acoustic specifically, so just something to kind of differentiate the tone and then kind of falling in love with it. I'm not not mad about it at all so far. I might stick with it. We'll see. Got to be nice on a gig night, man, about you know, three, one of those gigs where you're three hours in, your fingers still feel like butter. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And th- what is it as far as, like, have you noticed any, uh, having them plugged in, is there any kind of... Like when you're when you're live, like going mm-hmm. through it, is it is it you missing anything there or whatnot? Because it seems like like compliment like the way you play well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, nothing too like drastically different as far as like feel goes. Um, obviously it saves my fingers, like you said. Mm. Um, but I run through quite a bit of preamps and stuff like that, and so we're able to adjust any kind of issues with that. Cool. We kind of boost high end just a little bit um, as far as like a gain structure goes. Um, I'm very fortunate to have a super awesome DI. Uh, we got <laughs> my uh, my uh, producer has it. It's um, I forget what it's called. LR bags. Some, something Dream. Um, oh. It's a ADI product, I believe. Mm. Um, but uh, so we can boost the high end and kind of keep the attack. So if we're we're doing something a little bit more upbeat that I'm not playing it electric on, mm. um, we have the ability to kind of blend it all in. And it sounds ass- pretty all right to me. I'm assuming same gauge. Yes. Okay. Yeah, same gauge. Yep. Right, so uh, I, I started it, you know, just kind of buying two sets of strings, and then I found out that Dardario makes a setup uh, called the Folk Something, um, and I forget the what Folk the Something. Exact folk Something. <laughs> Go get, Folk get Something. Folks. You can buy it from their uh, their their store. Um, it's folk like, and strings. <laughs> it's like Folk Eleven and Change or something like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm buying now. Cool. Right on, man. Right yeah. on. Well, cool. That's a cool setup. Mm-hmm. I just say so much. you never see it, so it's interesting. Yeah, very, very cool. All right, you can throw that thing down now, man, awesome. and get comfortable. I just had to bring attention to it because you can, you can really, uh, especially with with the Martin, uh, feel the warmth in that thing mm-hmm. that maybe you wouldn't get normally on that style of a Martin guitar. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It sounds yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely adds uh, adds an interesting thing to it. Grab your microphone. Oh yeah, dude. I'm getting used to it. I'm, I'm learning. You <laughs> Do I need to pull this? You saved us. just saved us. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that, cool, might, cool. that would have probably worked, but no, this we'll, will be way we'll better. We'll get it through the R88. Yeah, for sure, man. All right, Drew, so uh, the first question we always ask is, you know, for you to kind of take us back uh, to childhood and tell us about, you know, growing up, what you were hearing, and when you knew 
that music was going to be a huge part of your life and something that you were going to be doing. Yeah, absolutely. So this is going to be a long answer to a short question. I'll just tell I you love that long answers, front. man. So, um, Takes pressure off me and Dusty on yeah. this side. <laughs> Good deal. <laughs> Take uh, it away. <laughs> so I am the oldest of six children. That's um, a lot. I grew up on a ranch in Oklahoma type thing, uh, you know, family involved in farming and things like that. My huh. parents weren't involved in it, but the family was extendedly. So uh, my mother was a music major. Uh, in college and was very passionate about having all of us start music from an early age. So I think I started piano lessons when I was like four, no, maybe five. Um, And we all played, you know, classical piano uh, until we were old enough to quit. Uh, For me, (laughs) that was about 13 when I realized that girls like guitar players more. So (laughs) I dropped the piano around that time. um, Started, you know, playing in punk rock cover bands. I was in so many terrible bands in high school and even into college. Um, but then, um, you know, kind of got involved. Uh, we were raised religious and grew up kind of in the church, so was always playing on Sunday mornings with the, the praise band and things like that. And then somewhere around the time of like 16, 17, I was like, okay, I actually want to do this. Um, I want to be a musician for my life. Um, so I, I came out here to Louisville to go to college uh, to study music and got a degree in piano, um, even though that was not necessarily my passion. I was like, oh, well, this will be good. You know, it's a music theory basis and I can do whatever I want to do on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, was involved in several churches throughout here. And then probably two and a half to three years ago is whenever I really started kind of taking it seriously as far as writing music uh, outside of the church and that's a whole other story we can get into if you guys would like but yeah, yeah that was that was part of it yeah. so uh, was it your mom's family that was part of that had the farm uh, background farming background dad's family yeah dad's, dad's family, family. Okay. Um, mom so, married into it but we had you know ostriches sheep goats well, what, what did dad do so my dad is a preacher Okay, um, but right. uh, his family is all involved, kind of in the the farming industry, mm-hmm. kind of extendedly. Um, mostly not even like dairy or cattle farming or anything like that, but just uh, renting animals to FFA and 4-H kids. Okay, cool. So that's kind of what they did. They would, you know, buy a bunch of livestock. We rent it out to families, and kids would keep them for a semester or a year or something like that. Um, and then if they show that animal, feed it correctly, groom it correctly, all that kind of stuff, they could win a whole lot of money on scholarships. Oh, sweet. So that was kind of how we did it, and they would pay the pharma fee and all that kind of stuff. Right so, on. So yeah. um, was your mom from the same area as your dad? Like that? that... They both grew up in BFE, Kansas. Okay. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, I know. Do not get Neil started on Kansas, <laughs> Kansas please. Terrible. I, they I, are so, did they, did I you heard, grew up in Oklahoma? I grew up in Oklahoma. Smart I, was, people. I was born in Kansas, Smart grew people. up in Oklahoma. You know, you know what? Um, I-70 said, I can kiss my ass. Go. I've done that drive through western Kansas a dozen times. My man. It sucks. It's terrible. I heard you talking to Ben, I think, about it's that on worst. an episode. Oh, during, during the Ben podcast, <laughs> Almost we, we lost every listener in Kansas after Neil went on like a 20-minute rant about Kansas. They know not they, in Kansas anymore. They know it sucks. <laughs> they are not listening so, there anymore. I-70 I, I I sucks. I only bring all that up just, you know, because uh, for your mom to... to Go after a music degree. And what did mm-hmm. she end up doing with that degree? Did so she, she she was a stay-at-home mom my whole career. Um, her degree is in church music, actually. Okay. And so yep. very involved in church life and things like that. So my dad was preaching and my mom would do music stuff and things like that. Yeah, so, I mean, just like the, the fit of that for you is built what a lot of what you're doing. I mean, I grew yeah. up, we've talked about it a ton. There's, there's ways that people... Uh, 
there's a few ways people come about being a musician, and, and a lot of times it's church is is the basis of that. Just like me, I, I grew up playing music in church, and and involved in the worship band, and and really gives you that sense of um, timing and playing with other people, and and uh, a real safe place to do it. We, that's that's the biggest part about growing mm-hmm. up in a church. You always feel. Um, like it doesn't, you can be bad because you're going to only be encouraged to get better and to be a part and, and you're never discouraged, which is always uh, huge for musicians. You know, I think um, the hardest thing to do as a musician is to build confidence in, in what you're doing, especially once you turn that page to write your own stuff, because there's no, there's no barometer, barometer that tells you this is a good song or not. Yeah. It's it's so taste-based. You don't are am I behind the times with what I just wrote? Am I am I too far ahead with how genius I am, you know? <laughs> there's, there's I but, wish but, I had that confidence. Well, <laughs> you don't have that. It's 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 not natural to have that confidence. Yeah, but sure. growing up in a church and getting the 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 backing and the support of people that want you to try and and will tell you how great you are even when you're not. I think it's hugely important, and, and I'm sure that like, you know, I think recently when we talked about you switching over and and being guitar first when we were doing the songwriting thing, which we'll get to, but um, that has to be a huge like backward step in confidence for yeah. you when you're a piano playing first player. And you jump back into. I just couldn't imagine doing it. Vice being a guitar player and jumping onto a piano or no. Yeah, I mean, so it, it's just yeah. But man, you know, I think the the having that community is huge. Uh, I don't know why I brought that all up, other than just say it's awesome. Uh, yeah, and, and I don't know what else I got I, there. That makes. I honestly <laughs> never thought about that, and it just kind of upset me that my church never had live music. They had, they might have had a, an organ or something, but. I did not. Anyways, my church wasn't cool like that. They didn't, you know, they should all have that because that's a cool, they that's should. a good point to where it's like, not only do you instill confidence in players at a young age, but it's like, it's a, it's a you good can't way to, fail. You can't. Yeah. And it's like a good way to like an, an intro, you know, introductory or introduction to, you know, music for people of all ages, mm-hmm. you know, like just even to be around it, like for a kid, even if he's, you know, playing tambourine or something but anyways that that's yeah that's cool i never oh, thought about that absolutely i'm sure by like 10 years old you were the piano player at church not necessarily but <laughs> you know i was i was part of a very large church you okay know, uh your dad's so your pop four, was five thousand members kind of a thing no it, was, it, was, it was a larger church that's like uh, that's for oklahoma like yeah. Southeast Christian. That's yeah, probably it's, like it's very similar yeah. kind of okay. environment like that where i grew up so we had you know the Sunday morning team, and then you got middle school praise band and a high school praise band, and then you kind of graduate through like levels. Mm-hmm. And they had different staff members, you know, that were kind of dedicated to developing those musicians. So I don't have a ton of nice things to say about the church mm-hmm. necessarily as a human being, but I will say like that was an incredible experience. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, to have those folks kind of pushing and developing as time went on, and then you know there was always. Maybe Mother's Day, uh, which we just recently celebrated, the middle school band plays, or, you know, Youth Sunday, the high school band plays. So I had lots of opportunities to kind of be involved in the total life of the church beyond just Wednesday night youth group, you know, jams and things. Yeah. So, you know, that reminds me of uh, that's exactly how it was with us. Middle school, I started playing and tinkering, and and they had a, a group for that age group. 
And once you got in that, you can kind of graduate to the Sunday service if you're if you had the chops for it or whatever. Um, but you know, man, I, I just I do think that that base is important for uh, I you know just kind of a quick sidebar. Uh, Phil Miller, who was my youth minister growing up, I remember him singing many, many tunes uh, to this day. Like, I like to eat apples and bananas, which is not even a church song, but I'll never forget him being in front and um, uh, kind of being like a spark that, that mm. music was fun. Yeah. And this was before I ever played an instrument or any of that. And, um, you know, he he just, just kind of, to speak of Phil, man, he just got some, uh, he's got some stuff going on, and he's an amazing dude. So uh, thinking about him. Cheers to Phil. Cheers to Phil. Love that guy. But yeah, man, just sparking a, it, it is. It's cool to think that that's kind of has uh, sparked that interest in you. So what was what was it with you? Other than I mean, was was it really like girls? Was the switch to guitar, or was there? I mean, after yeah, nine I mean, years of piano, were you just ready to do something else? Sure. Yeah, I think that was definitely a part of it. Obviously, you know. In high school, you want to be cool, you want to be accepted, all that kind of stuff. And that was kind of my way. I wasn't a great athlete. I played sports and things like that. Um, wasn't a great student. So music <laughs> was kind of my thing where I was like, okay, I can be better than other people at mm. this. Uh, I wasn't, Driving but that. in my mind, <laughs> you know, I was. Yeah. That kind of a thing. Um, and so, yeah, that was a big reason for kind of the switch to guitar, uh, just trying to kind of carve my own lane. Um, and then as far as like the writing goes, that kind of came in the last few years, just kind of had a drastic change in my life about three years ago, four years ago, something like that. Is this um, something you can talk about? Yeah, All absolutely. Right, so, so, so what was um, it? What was the yeah. switch? So I was working, um, as a worship leader in a church, uh, okay. for a church here in town and, um, was in the middle of a pretty gnarly personal life situation, ended up getting divorced. Um, that was horribly messy, um, and getting clean. Um, that was a part of that for me as well. So I was a cocaine addict, um, for several years in the midst of working in the church, um, and even some after, um, and then lots of pill abuse and things like that, oxys and so okay. on and so forth. And so a little over two and a half years ago, I got clean. Um, after congratulations, kind of yeah, Congrats, yeah, thank man. you, Huge. thank you so much. I know that's part of some of y'all's stories, absolutely, well. man. And so, it was really a thing where I kind of laid down music for a long time because it had this association with who I was before, yeah, and who I was after. Kept that, kept you tied to it, exactly, yeah. And, and hmm. you know, when you grow up in the church, and I, I mean this with the utmost respect for people that are in it, um, but you have this mentality, I think, where Music is for God. Um, music is for other people. Um, and so I really struggled for a long time with like, well, what do I do with this thing that I'm insanely passionate about, but it has all this baggage for me. Hmm. So I would sit down at the piano, and like the only thing I knew how to play was like hymns and worship songs. And oh, wow. I was like, oh, damn, like this hurts. Like it, it hurt my heart to sit down and have this thing that I loved and I missed but it had all these connotations and all this baggage. A lot of weight. Yeah. And so I really put it down for like a long time, probably close to a year. Um, And then, you know, guitar was like the thing that I didn't do uh, as far as church goes uh, for the most part. And that was kind of like a bridge back into it for me. So Hmm. when I decided to pick it back up and like try to write through some of the stuff, I was in therapy at the time, still am, go therapy, 
shout out therapy. Huge, man. <laughs> therapy's awesome. But uh, you know, shout my therapist is like, hey, you, <laughs> you've left this part of yourself, you know. Um, and it was good for a season, and it was correct for a season, uh, most definitely. But I was putting parts of me behind that I didn't need to. There was mm-hmm. definitely parts of me that I needed to put behind. Um, some of the you know, desperation for love, some of the addiction tendencies, some of the friends, all that kind of stuff. That all needed to be left, but music needed to come forward with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if that makes sense. And yeah, so man. he really encouraged me to kind of take some of the things I've been journaling as far as like gratitude journals and like processing and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, you just need to take some of this stuff and put it with your guitar because you're writing it anyway. Mm. Um, and so he kind of gave me the freedom to bring that forward with me. Um, so, yeah. So that's kind of where the songwriting and all that kind of stuff started for me. So like cool. when you um you stepping away from the piano and then really kind of exploring the songwriting things as as that therapeutic venture, do you think you're at the point now where you can step, you know, sit back on that bench and and sit in front of the keys and and not not be drawn back into the negative because, you know, I, I could imagine that can still be a, a possibility, Triggers. a trigger, yeah. but but uh, have you grown enough as a, as a person, more or less a musician, to where you can sit there without the anxiety, or do you think that's something, if you do, you're going to have to deal with that that process before you sure. can? Yeah, man. I mean, it, it depends on the day, just to give uh-huh. you an honest answer. Um, the majority of my songwriting happens at the piano, Okay. Um, which is why I'm a little bit slower than I would like to be with writing new songs. Um, sometimes I sit there and it's great and it flows and I have an idea and it's just all good. Other days I sit down there and it's literally, I mean, not to, to over-dramatize it, but there's like panic at, like things that go into that, you know, kind of anxiety and things like that. Um, so I, I have grown as a person where I, the piano's back in my life. I just actually moved a piano back into my home. Awesome. Um, you know, within the last few serious. months and things like that. And it's great. Um, but it definitely still has connotations. Um, so if I notice that that is like a struggle, that's something immediately where I'll go talk to my fiance, maybe call a therapist, maybe start doing some work on that where it's like, if this is showing back up for me, I can tell that there's something that's not quite healthy. And there's usually other kind of signs Um, you know, maybe I drank a little too much the weekend before, or, you know, I ran into somebody from my previous life or things like that. So usually the sitting at the piano is not the first step in noticing that like, I'm not coping so well. Okay. Um, yeah. So does that make sense? Yes. So, so, you know, you, you said something that's interesting. So when you, do you have to, is there a separation? All right. Is there a separation from not only the piano, but the life, the people? Every, did 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 you have to take that separation to get yourself right and to 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 focus on yourself before you could even entertain anybody uh, anything that had to do with that even the piano or the people or just a person um, you know do you find yourself and and was that do you think that that helped if you did that, if you did was the separation where you spent that time with the therapist and focusing on those things? Um, how beneficial was that for you as a person? Yeah, definitely. Um, incredibly beneficial. I mean, I already said it, but like everyone should be in therapy a hundred percent. Um, even if you haven't dealt with 
you know, sub- substantive trauma, mm-hmm. you've got shit that you need to work mm-hmm. out with the help of if another person. If you've lived life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree yeah. with that, man. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Um, but, you know, it, at least in my life, just to answer your question, um, I needed separation from that entire situation. Um, you know, I was excommunicated, uh, to use a church word from my church, um, because of everything. And, you know, it was really hard to stay in the same town where every time you're out, even at a coffee shop, a bar, like drive, yeah, you're just, well, and and I, I won't name names or name the church or anything like that. Um, but like they have a full, like this person is outcast mm-hmm. kind of MO with that. And so well, it's like you're marked or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah and it, like, you know, yeah. friends that I spent every weekend or every weeknight with were instructed by the pastors not to speak with me. Um, and it was really hard because I'd see them all the time and they would walk out, That's you know, crazy, even man. going to get coffee in the morning before work kind of thing. So it was really hard. Um, and so I think as far as like the music side of that goes, I needed a full break from yeah. that just to not be angry. Because I spent, you know, quite a bit of time very, very angry at those people and very, very hurt. Um, you know, I've, I've dealt with that and worked on that a lot. But music was a part of that. And my entire musical identity, not to be like, you know, waxing poetic or whatever, but um, it was tied up in the church and those people. Yeah. And the whole thing that you get fed when you are in the church is you're here to serve these people. You're here to help these people. You know, and and that is amazing. Like fully, you know, you're spreading joy, you're spreading happiness, like you're you're helping people do what they are there to do. Yeah, as a church musician, and when those people kind of turn their back on me, whether that was their choice or that was something they were instructed to do, I lost the music side of that. Um, yeah, it was the purpose of music was gone it, it, because it, those people were gone. Was it a? It, it's uh, like a soul crushing event it sounds that yeah, it dude. sounds to be so but you know it i was sounds, a fucking mess <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was it, a, i was a disaster for a while yeah, yeah the the same thing that i say about you know the church nurturing young musicians and things like that it seems like when as much as as they can nurture because church is just a bunch of people we always have to remember sure. that it's yeah, not yeah. it's not the word it's not the things that are supposed to be good about religion it's just a bunch of people, and when that break happens, that's when you see the side that you're like, I thought we'd been preaching forgiveness and all these other things. Right. What just happened? So yeah. um, I could imagine, because I've seen both sides. I'm, I'm with you. I've been. I've seen both sides of the church, and, and you feel it, and there's there's those things, and the love is always there and the, and the, the, the great positives. But at the same time, like, you know, uh, when you needed help and the thing the most— Things got severed, and and then where does yeah. that leave you? It not only uh, hurts you in every way possible and leaves you devastated. It also makes you push away the thing that you love the most, which is yeah. this this piano and all these other things that are associated with that, and the feeling of giving. And you know, I the, so I could only imagine what type of fire that lit in you for your songwriting, yeah. um, especially since you've only been writing so uh, you know so such a short amount of time and you already have stuff like like we just heard i mean yeah I, I got a question well, i got a couple yeah. things actually i want we'll, to we'll talk about it before I forget. <laughs> so two things one you just you said something earlier that you know when you're playing in church you're like you, you the music you're playing it's you you play for the church so you reminded me of a quote that luke powers actually told me his mom mentioned once that 
She said, if you're not playing music for the church, you're playing for the devil. <laughs> and we thought it was so cool. <laughs> that sounds right. We were in this like hard rock band. And anyway, we were like, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hail Satan, baby. Oh, Let's go. That all. So <laughs> that and then, dude, the song. What's the name of the song you played? Yeah, Fight. it's called it's called Angel. Angel. Um, and okay. I'm happy to dive into the story behind well, that at man, some point if you like. But First line grabbed like there's it's very rare for me to listen and I, I will say too i'm more of a melody you know audible like listening like sonic kind of listening person opposed to lyrically like Word. first like i'm just i'm more like what it what it sounds like how it makes you feel without even the message but that line immediately grabbed me like and it's very rare for that to happen i think with probably a lot of people for the first line of a song like at least it spoke to me very well that um angel on my shoulders when mia today is that what it is man and it's just yeah i know what that yeah i think we all kind of know what that's like but that's yeah that one yeah talk me off yeah i'm on my own yeah on my own well and that not to to dive too deep into it but it was just you know the song came from this breakup so after my marriage ended and my relationship with the church ended i was with someone for a period of time that really served as my moral compass. Mm. It was very unhealthy um, to put all that pressure on another person, right? Like, that's not ideal. It's not how you should be. But when that relationship ended, I realized, like, oh, I don't know who I am, and I don't know what I'm after anymore. Like, I was, you know, not clean at the time, um, still using drugs and things like that, and it was just a realization. It's like, oh, I don't have a moral center. Like, I don't have Jesus, I don't have my preacher, and I don't have this girl. So, like, what the hell am I after? <laughs> like, what am I doing? Yeah. Um, and I would wake up on a Monday morning being like, this weekend served no purpose in furthering myself as a person. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of where that song came from. The angel on my shoulders, MIA, was about a person that had served as that angel on my shoulder. And that's totally great, you know, for the time that it was, but it was not something that was able to be continued. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Sidebar, so, sidebar. Okay. I don't have the church. I don't have the preacher. Uh, I don't have the girl. I don't have you either. That's your next, uh, uh, hey, that's your next like project it. for I a like song, it. bro. You said it. I just added the last one. More more breakup songs. That's there what you I mean. Go, man. <laughs> I'm happy now. I'm clean Speak- and in a great relationship. It's fantastic. That's just from Amen. that time. Well, speaking of song, well, look, we all need a little bit of turmoil to help our songwriting. So speaking of, why don't you play us another tune, yeah, brother? Absolutely. What, what, do you, what do you got for us? So this next one's going to be called When the Sun Comes Out. Um, it's a song about kind of my journey with um, getting clean. Right on. alone and running craving love and maybe more I've walked these streets ten thousand times still end up at her door around 3 a.m. I'll get my fix I'm still empty so I'll quit start again tomorrow maybe then I'll handle it and hope that I get better when the sun comes out but for now I'll stare at Keep laying on this couch Thinking about new morning mercies Being promises to myself Praying I'll get better When the sun comes out 
I faked it through another day I smiled and laughed and tried To fight that urge I know I'll lose another empty bottle tonight Cause I've tried the girl and I've tried the weed I've even seen a shrink When even comes I'm back on the run Pour me another drink And just pray that I get better myself thinking about new morning mercies new promises for my health just pray that I can get better in love no more running just free till then just pray that I get better when the sun comes out but for now stare at the ceiling keep lying to myself about new more mercies new promises for my health praying I'll get better I hope that whatever that church was used to help out with hears these songs one day and they're like, damn, these would be really helpful for the people in our <laughs> establishment, but we <laughs> screw them. You know, there's uh, I appreciate that. It, yeah, it is beautiful song. It is easy to hate, man. It is easy to uh, to get the negatives out of those things. Sure. I, I will say, like, the, there's a church here in town, Fairdale, where I used to go, uh, that does on Fridays, they have a recovery program mm -hmm. for people that are, are either in the program or trying or struggling. I cannot remember what it's called to save my life, but it's become... It's become like a hundred members deep oh, every yeah, Friday yeah. because they, yeah, man. So as much as I, you know, there is that gap. And I think a lot of times it's that gap in between discovery. You know, you, you, there's the, there's the sin. It's the, uh, don't hate the sin or hate the sin type of mentality when a lot of times that doesn't translate, right? It, the the right. attitude is right and the sentiment is right, but it just doesn't play out like that. Right. So maybe sometimes that separation and going through those things and, um, will lead back to them, you know, the, bringing people back into the fold. But there's definitely sure. a gap, you know. I mean, there's something yeah, absolutely, missing Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's been a ton of amazing examples in my life. You know, my folks and I are very close because, you know, not to, to put too fine a point on it, but they actually behave like Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. You know, not to, to do the preaching thing, but like— there's a disconnect between the person that Jesus was, at least is how we know. Talking about um, white Jesus? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Blonde hair, blue eyes, beautiful Jesus. But, you know, like all that all that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, what gets experienced by the church and a lot of folks. And so, you know, I know we'll talk about the music and all that kind of stuff, but um, there is a lot of people that mean it. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of been what's kept me from being a bitter, you know, 
Of course. For sure. Uh, asshole. Yeah, <laughs> man. You know, put my middle <clears throat> finger out every time I pass the church or whatever the case is. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> yeah, dude, that's Excuse it. Excuse me. Uh, to have that uh, ex- example from your parents is nice because, you you know, I think it's important to who you are. Who who are you? You know, at mm. the end of the day, who are you? Are, can can people look at you as like a, 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 a an example of being a good person? Mm. Can they see you as? It doesn't matter if you go to church or not. I don't give a shit about church. I don't care if you go to church. I don't care what you believe in. I don't care who you who you think is is God. I don't care if you have a ton of gods. I don't care. Mm. That does not concern me. How do you treat people? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What type of person are you? When nobody's around, do you make the right decisions? I mean, n- none of us ever do. I'm sure. I don't ever make the correct decision, but in your heart of hearts, I mean, like, who are you? And I think a lot of times when, when, even when we're writing, I mean, that's something that that you do as a as a writer, as an artist. You 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 question yourself in your words, or otherwise, what are you? What are we doing? It, it, it's great to be confident. It's great to be self assured, but that's not. That doesn't make a good song. Right. I, I don't like, like, dude, I love, and what, what I think, going back a little bit, which parents are is honest, honesty. There's the, the, the relationship is honest now, and it wasn't, you know, that, that honesty creates that. But uh, what I do hate with music is, is that, like, I love hip hop, but I hate hip hop that is hip hop about how great I am. Right. Here's how good I am. I am I'm going to tell you best. why I'm better than you. Yeah, no, you're Which not. Which is a common thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's like the honesty and the the humbleness and those things, I think, create that connection between, that gap between maybe what we're trying to fill when there is that separation between church and state, church and self, church and so many different things that maybe that, I don't know. No, I'm, I'm I, with you. Yeah, I hear you, man. I'm, I'm totally agree with you, yeah. I had a lot of sentences, but I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All good. All good. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've talked about that before. Just, I mean, songwriting can be a form of therapy. Um, and a lot of times it you become vulnerable, I mean, through mm. writing music. So I think it's awesome that you've gone to therapy and kind of use, end up using music as that outlet. Um, we talked about that on, on this podcast before, about mm-hmm. music helping with mental health and and I have to tell a story real quick about how I met Drew. So we were playing open mic night at Off the Rails. Mm-hmm. And um, so we know the guys there, Kenny, Jewel, the owner, and our friend Lenny that's there in Gene. So they were like, you guys want to do an original? So Drew's like, okay. I think Drew went first and did an original. And I was like, Lenny's like, what's the name of this song? And he was like, Germantown. And I was like, wait, <laughs> what? Really? And he was like, we yeah, this song is called German." I was like, Dude, the song I'm getting ready to play is called Back in Germantown. And so we bonded instantly. It was funny. He played his Germantown song. I played Back in Germantown. And then we talked afterwards, and they were both about, like, kind of bad divorces and moving on. And so we bonded immediately that night because we talked for a while after that. But it was so wow. ironic but so funny. Right and I was like, that is awesome, man. That well, is crazy. We were That's fast cool. friends. That's yeah, cool, man. Yeah. Well, and the, you know, the, ther- the therapy that you get when you write that song. Yeah, you know, when, when you write those songs that that are painful and that are that that you need to get something out. I mean, you're bonding over not only the title but the sentiment and all the other things that come along with it and you you instantly feel the pain of the other person, you know. You you mentioned the word perfect vulnerability. It, if you don't allow yourself to be vulnerable in your songwriting, which I'm guilty of a lot of times, I, you know, it's it's too at the surface. If you don't allow yourself to be as specific and vulnerable, um, as, as some of those things that you have 
had referred to in your first couple songs and Brent on Germantown. And, you know, those, those are the things that I think draw people in because everybody's been hurt, man. Everybody's felt that despair. Um, especially when you're talking about that, the transition that you're going through and, or went through in the, a couple, you know, however long it goes and that, that, that couple years, I'm sure, I'm sure as great as it was to get songs out, Change, like you said, it changed. You've changed. You yeah. changed. You had a moment, and, and I'm sure those songs were part of that. Right. Yeah. Well, those things really sucked at the time. I mean, I know most of us in the room have written songs about different hurtful things that we've been through, and I, this may or may not be y'all's experience, and so forgive me if not. But it was almost something about getting it on the page and getting it out of my throat and getting yeah. it in my hands. It was like okay. The hurts might still be there, but it's not just up here anymore. Yeah. It's not just in my head. It's not just in my chest. I'm. This is the processing of it, nah. if that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, for sure. And so Bingo. I'm nowhere near the caliber of songwriters that these guys are, but you know, people like John Prine, Rustin Kelly, Jason Isbell inspired a lot of that for me as far as mental health and connecting the most painful experiences of your life to art. Mm-hmm. Um and it's weird calling stuff that you do art. It but, is, man. It know, was a blank piece of paper it before is, you yeah, yeah, but with it. Just homie. like, oh, let's let's actually do this. Mm-hmm. And so the songs that I connect with the most are real human experiences. You know, Dusty, you and I have talked, you know, previously about that. You know, Neil, I've heard some of the stuff that you've written as well. It's like, well, that's real. Um yeah. whether or not this ever gets radio play, it made me feel seen, mm. made me feel understood, made me feel like I wasn't the only person dealing with some of the shit. And that's what I want to write about. Yeah. Um, and cause that's, what's been given to me. That's what I want to give other folks. So, yeah. yeah. You know, you, like you mentioned Isabel and think like cover me up is it, it's his, him transitioning clean. to getting clean. And every time he sings that second verse, it's the loudest that it gets. I mean, I've got chills right now thinking about it, yeah. yep. thinking about how, you know, uh, it, it was all about figuring out if love was better than the alcohol. And then, you li- you know, the, he's got that HBO documentary that Lee's raving about now that I've seen a little so bit good. of, and it's amazing. It's, you know, it's, it's this, but you can still see in him that struggle. There is a struggle in him every time that he puts pen to paper because it's such an emotional experience. And to be able to create that is art. And, and I think that you have that ability and that you just showing in that process of, of you dealing with pain and, and, and you're creating art with these words and to be able to see it and visualize it as a spectator and as somebody that takes that in, man, um, you're on the right path, you know? And, and it's, when you have a song, I wrote this down here. When you have a song, you're scared to mm. sing because it's too real. And I think that you've probably had that before. I think that anybody it's that that's, one. It's when the sun comes out. Yeah. Mm. It's like I'm terrified to let people know that this is in me because it ain't coming from imagination. This is an experience. This yeah. is this is what I'm dealing with. And the the you know, kudos to you for allowing yourself to be that raw and, and that much at the surface to be able to write like that and to be able to convey that because people need I think people need to hear that and people feel agreed. There's a um it's called May at Last. It's a documentary in the Avett brothers, the Avett brothers. Yeah. I don't I I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's it's about it's it's it it, it uh, covers this whole record they do with Rick Rubin, and Rick Rubin talks about 
what he thinks is the the key to like the number the first thing that makes a great songwriter is vulnerability like completely okay with telling the 100% bare truth like every like just put it out there and I thought that was cool because that's like you said there's 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 some stuff I'm like "Ah, I don't know I don't know if I don't know if I want people to know this story I don't know if I want people to know that you know you still love that girl or that you think this way about this person or whatever like Mm -hmm. there's things but it's like your truth it's your truth exactly and it's you know when it's too real man it's yeah that, but when when you break that barrier and you allow yourself to go ahead and not only put it on paper but to record it and to release it and to share it, that's that's you know I, I'm a ton of people that that do this for a living. I'm sure have a ton of songs they would never release because of that right there. But I think you lose out. Mm-hmm. I think you lose out when you don't let that emotion and that the rawness of an experience be put to test, you know, and be, especially be put out there. Yeah. All right, dude, I, this is the last, <laughs> Brent last day, Brad questions. Brad oh, questions. I'm sorry. This is the last day <laughs> before Brad comes back and we're super excited. But bef- before we get to this, man, I, I texted you yesterday. Thank you. Yeah. You're the man. I love you yeah. for being here. Ha- it's been amazing yeah, to have awesome. you in the studio. Ha- yeah, man. Shout out Happy Dusty Bow. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I, you know, man, it's just a joy to have you around. So I'm, thank I'm you for stepping up and stepping in. I'm you guys in. wanted me to do this and everybody hear my dumbass voice in this <laughs> microphone. All right. What's something non-musical about you that people should know? Mm. Well, we've talked about a lot of non-musical things. Um, let's see. Uh, I am horrible at disc golf, but I play it <laughs> all the time. Um, no, I, that was unexpected. I don't know. Man. I, I fucking love disc golf. I'm just terrible at it. Um, you know, all the other like personal stuff. I'm I'm a mess. I'm traumatized. I'm in therapy. Like that's like more real, but uh, non musical. Like bourbon connoisseur though. I, yeah, I, I tend to be. Um, it's a. it's an interesting relationship. Obviously, as someone that need this camera real quick. Because oh, he uh, hooked it up. What, Go what on three. <laughs> Granddad 114, appreciate you, Yeah, Drew. absolutely. The carpet loves you, too. Happy to share. Uh, <laughs> we poured some out you know, for that's, our homies. That's a, that's a weird one, obviously, as someone that's, like, abused substances and self-medicated for a long time. Um, most of my drinking now is social. Uh-huh. Um, but I, you know, had the fortunate uh, circumstances to work at one of the premier bourbon retailers here in town, get, you know... Um, several certifications in bourbon spirits and things like that and then work for brown foreman for a couple of years and i love that and so yeah. bourbon's been a really cool part of my life um you know mostly social uh and the people that you meet are the people that are uh just incredible there's a lot of like-minded folks in bourbon it's a community it, it seems a whole, like there's a yeah. whole thing with it yeah you, you appreciate the finer things so yeah. it connects with food it connects with music it connects with cigars all things that i love um, and so bourbon for me has been, uh, honestly kind of a little bit of a lifesaver. Um, I have to keep my relationship with it in check, obviously as someone that's an addict. Um, but you know, the, <laughs> when you start a, snorting it, it's going to be an issue. <laughs> that's going to be an issue. Um, yes, I'm a bourbon geek and a nerd and all that kind of stuff, but the people that I've met through that are the things that really matter to me. For so, sure. Got to keep, keep the barometer in check yeah. on all that. Uh, for sure, but yeah, it's, uh, we it's all been got a, you in check now, man. For me, we yeah. all gonna keep you in check. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so this second question, I actually, um, I, I need to, uh, I need to 
say something about it because I just had a moment or one of these situations happened at one of my last gigs. So this, this question is, tell us about a, night, a nightmare gig or an embarrassing thing that has happened to you on stage. Okay. What happened? So you were at this show at the Monarch. I don't know if you caught this. When I played there, so the first couple songs, the opener bailed and I did an acoustic set to open. So the first two songs, like, you know, before the performance is there, Mark gives a, a speech and like a bio and, and, and about the artist and he was just really chatting me up and i was like damn i wasn't i was really excited to play and then he's like seeing all these amazing things i'm almost getting emotional i was like i'm fucking nervous right now so <laughs> i like complete pretty much nobody really noticed because the first song i played was a newer one i kind of butchered the first song but then the second song the one that i grabbed the harmonica for mm-hmm. i'm struggling just kind of take off my big ass hat and i'm putting it on and like trying to get it figured out and whatnot going to the song didn't have the guitar capoed, so it was like I was in the wrong key, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And I was like, "I'm so nervous right now." I just like took a big deep breath. So then I like I, again was struggling with the harmonica holder, and I like got it where I thought where I thought it was like proper. I was like, "Okay," so I go into the end of the song. And instead of blowing the harmonica, I just I almost start blowing <laughs> into the microphone. Like, caught myself, and I was like, that's when I was like, okay. Chill out, Dusty. Okay. <laughs> You've done this before. Uh, Listen, it was weird. Brother, can I tell you something about that? Yeah. That was the moment that my fiance fell in love with you. She was like, the vulnerability, the honesty of just saying like, Hey, I'm nervous. I was so nervous. You just said it. You were like, I'm nervous. That was like, okay, this is a human. And like, she's now your biggest fan. Like, obviously I'm a fan of yours, but like, goddamn, that was cool to see like, I'm not the only one. That's fucking sick. I was like, out of all things to blow, like whatever, I guess. Anyways, it was. uh, Maybe just started whistling instead (laughs) of the mic. Well, easily would have been some kind of, instead of just blowing it. Anyways. All right. An embarrassing moment. Or a nightmare gig that you had, dude. I've had so many, <laughs> so many. Um, the most recent one I can think of um, was a gig that I played uh, at. Um, what's the what's the bar on Brownsboro Road? Um, something Tavern. Um, Bellwood Tavern. Brownsboro Road, no, right before it turns into uh, Center. It doesn't matter. I was opening for Scott T. Smith. Beautiful man, beautiful friend of the show. I love this guy. And he had invited me day of to play. And I was super excited, but I'm super nervous because Scott is (laughs) incredible. And was it Melwood Tavern? Melwood Tavern. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, That's where Brownsboro hits me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So great guy. Appreciated the opportunity. Like, super excited. But I had a song that I'd written like three days before. And I was like, I'm just going to try this live just to see what happens. Because you know how Scott is. He's just going to gas you up and say, like, play all your new stuff. It's going to be great. Totally. Like, amazing. Um, <laughs> and I started the song. It was maybe one or two songs into the set. Complete wrong tuning. And it took me, like, an ungodly amount of time to get it right. Like, four or five minutes, I think, to tune my guitar correctly. <laughs> I was like, dude, I just blew it. <laughs> like, oh, no! Like, Scott's never going to have me back. No. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that's one that stands out. You know, I, I could tell horror stories uh, from bar gigs about, you know, people using my mic stand as a stripper pole, people stepping on my guitar neck and breaking oh, it. Like, yeah, you know, I have all those God. stories. Oh, so I yeah. broke your guitar neck? This guitar. Yeah, oh, as a matter shit. of fact, um, I was playing electric on a song. I had my guitar that was, it was, my case was the tip jar 
that particular night. Shout out O'Shea's in the Highlands. Hey. And uh, you know that, that. that bar is full of drunk toddlers yeah. um, in general. <laughs> so that's a uh, fact. Girl stepped right in my guitar case, snapped my neck. Uh-oh. Um, I, yeah. What? So all the tip money went into that uh, getting getting fixed. So, yeah, it was lovely. Wow. I'd had to... Tom O'Shea, what are you doing today, buddy? I, I we need to talk. That's what I'd have been doing. I've been calling yeah, Tom. Yeah. They they always take good care of the bar staff and the bar. No, they're great, great man. But, uh, They've been great for a long time know, when it comes playing, to taking care of new newbies playing music. Yeah. Playing eleven p.m. to three a.m. kind of thing on the weekends is it's a tough gig. That's you guys, a slot. you guys Ooh. know all the stories from that, yeah. so Ooh. don't have to tell you about that. <laughs> Those are the days. All right, who is the last local artist you listened to? I think it was you, buddy. Uh, yeah, the missus and I went and saw your show at the Monarch. Uh, that was cool. Um, killed it, as always. Um, you shred. Uh, prior to that, probably, you know, Scott Smith. Um, you know, I'm good buddies with Kevin Niehoff and Ben Bernhard. Yeah. We all write together and play together a good bit. So Moonshine Magnolia gig, kind of right before that, uh, cool. Kevin's new band. So we try to support local music as much as we possibly can. Um, Are you playing with him in that too, Moonshine Magnolia, or is that that's just that's not me, Kevin? Yeah, okay, yeah, that's Kevin's thing. Um, and I honestly don't know any of the other players in that band, but they're great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, we probably three nights a week at least we're seeing somebody local cool. but i think the last thing we did was your uh gig at the monarch a couple right, weeks man. back yeah awesome all right well dude uh do you want to play us another one real quick? i would love to what yeah. do you got for us so this next one is a love song because I'm, yeah. I'm happy now um <laughs> this is uh hey, dude it's this, hard to write songs when you're happy i know it's right? way harder uh this is a, a song i called uh chestnut streets for my fiance Sundays at home, my little 
out or not a-sleepin', darling, it's your call. Snowmobiling boots, they're obsolete. Ever since I met the girl from Chestnut Street. All this time we both spent looking, learning right and doing wrong. Not one dime a day was wasted, growing into the people who could love this strong. Welcome 911, cause she stole my heart. But I swear to God, I'm gonna do my part. Steelers right back, sweep her off her feet. Yeah, the girl from over there on Chestnut Street. Hey, beautiful, man. Yes, sir. Great songs, Drew. All right, man. So uh, for our listeners that want to come out and see you and keep that guitar right there, brother, you're going to play again in a second. So for everybody that wants to see you and uh, come out and you know find you on the, the socials and where, where can everybody tell all your stuff? Your podcast, yeah. let us know about your podcast, Absolutely. everything. Absolutely. So the podcast is Bourbon Turntable. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, or Apple Spotify, you know, Google Podcasts, all that kind of things. Uh, as far as personal socials, Drew.Crawley63. Uh, is the Instagram that's the most up to date? Um, and then I've got a website, drewcrawleymusic.com. We try to keep that up to date, but I am not the uh, technological savvy person in my house, so <laughs> my fiance deals with that. And sometimes we don't get it all caught, so uh, check the Instagram uh, for the most up to date shows and things like that. Yeah, right on. And then uh, we've got a, a record out, um, it's on Spotify, Apple, wherever you find it. It's called Tower Songs. And then a uh, new record coming out in November. Hey! Look out. Full length record this time. Um, so, very, very excited. Cool. I work with a very talented uh, producer and engineer out of Nashville. His name's Lorenzo Venturella. Lorenzo, um, we've heard of Lorenzo in here. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah right on. Probably talked to Kevin and Ben about him. Oh, mm-hmm. So, uh, he's my friend first. I'm <laughs> that. I'm those guys onto it. <laughs> Take that, um, Ben and yeah, <laughs> so second. Yeah. Right, we we call them second, third. That's what we call them. We're all three like sad white guys with acoustic guitars, like, basically interchangeable. But, yeah. <laughs> so very excited to have that out, and a lot of good live stuff coming out this summer. So right on, cool, man. man. Looking forward to it, brother. We got for us on this last one. All right, so this last one is called uh, "Self Reliance," and it's a tune that I wrote after reading a Emerson poem by the same name, "Self Reliance." Uh, it's something that I really struggled with, you know, kind of in the theme of angel and the theme of the religious stuff that we've talked about already, of really struggling to find my own identity of what I wanted to be after in this life, what kind of my north and south parallel lines are, like where am I headed? Mm. Um, and so this mm. song was kind of an effort to deal with some of that, and that poem was really helpful for me, so this is based on that. All right, man. Awesome. Yeah. Come 
I'm of age, I'm 25 So much you don't know Spent some years killing time Trying not to be alone Bolded by a fire But not one that I lit You don't know what you don't know I know I don't know shit Without this fire deep inside of me 